Yeah. Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host. Today's chat uh, with uh, both Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas and On3 and Ian Boyd, uh, X's and O's expert of Inside Texas. Uh, guys, thanks for coming in. Uh, a lot of stuff to go over. This is uh, We're officially eight days away. Ian and I talked uh, earlier uh, about some of the things going on. Uh, we decided to, to try to do a chat here today to also bring in some questions uh, from the Longhorn fans, uh, those people on uh, InsideTexas.com that uh, are subscribers as well. Uh, and we're going to also talk to the YouTube folks here uh, too. So, uh, Ian, I want to ask you this question. This is the first one uh, for you uh, from a fan on Inside Texas. And that is, what guy as a freshman, and I think it's on defense. On defense. Freshman on defense uh, that is not starting today, but may start uh, next uh, next week or, or by the end of the season, excuse me. Not starting today, but would be starting by the end of the season. <laughs> There's a couple guys that uh, could just be shake out based on injury. Um, I think that Ethan Burke, Jalen Gilbo, and Brian Allen would probably be your three guys you would look at there. Uh, Brian Allen, I I don't think he'll start at safety unless there's a lot of, maybe a lot of injuries. I, I don't think he's going to be the guy. Ethan Burke is already up to second string. Um, and that position we know has is a little thin, the edge position where he plays. He's a pass rusher. He might just be a gofo away from uh, starting. So he'd be a good bet. And then, I mean, Jedi Barron has already been injured and Jalen Gilbo is his backup. So well, I guess Gilbo is probably the best pick because Barron could either be injured or have to move out to corner. Uh, Ethan Burke would be up there too. Jerry, what about you? What do you think on that? Um, Yeah, I think it's one of those two guys. And, you know, it's interesting when you look at Texas, whoever can provide pass rush is going to get on the field. I think that's pretty obvious. So Ethan Burke is my guy, um, but he's got to be able to hold up physically. I mean, and we're talking later in the season was the question. So he's got to be able to hold up physically uh, for, you know, this first half of the season. Um, you know, a really physical game, too. Um, and then you go on the road at Tech, then you have West Virginia at home, then you have OU. So he's going to have to build a hold up physical. He's added some weight to his frame. But I, whoever can rush the passer has a chance to win a starting job. I really do believe that, unless the guys in front of them show signs that they're improving. And we won't know that until probably not September 3rd, maybe not even the 10th, probably the 17th. Um, it, it's interesting. Somebody's asking here, is Terrence Brooks still training at star or corner? I'm going to answer that. He's trained primarily at corner right now. Um, and, uh, he got an early look at star, but they've decided to go with Jalen Gilbo of the freshman and try to get, uh, you know, they're freshmen. There's only so much they can handle. Uh, so they're putting Brooks at corner and Gilbo at star and Gilbo has actually, uh, had some starters reps given that Jade Barron spent most of training camp out. I, I want to talk a little bit now about the uh, Quinn Ewers was just uh, at the mic for the first time as the starting quarterback at the University of Texas said a couple of interesting no pressure. things. No pressure there. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> nothing, you know, just it's like normal seventh grade, seventh grade, a team, you know, football and the, the, you know, 50, 50 parents in the stands type thing. But he, yeah. um, he said some interesting things today and I wanted to get y'all's comment on it. One of them was uh, he, he talked about how, he was alerted that he would be the starter. And he said, Sark brought him in individually and told them. 
It wasn't a group meeting or anything like that. Um, and then, you know, he also, I, I thought, did the group a good thing. He, he gave Quint, I gave Hudson a nod uh, and said that, hey, Hudson has, has really helped him uh, through this process. Uh, but it's also eased his mind a little bit as he gets going, right? And so I think that that is an interesting piece uh, for what they're doing right now. And um, we look at this uh, and what, what he said today, talked about Colt McCoy uh, and Jackson and Jordan Shipley being, you know, what he remembers the most about uh, football and how that would be good. Uh, and then he also talked a little bit about talking to Vince, Vince Young this morning. Uh, and Vince Young uh, talked to him about the just go be yourself in kind of typical uh, Vince Young fashion where he'd say, let it hang. You know, <laughs> that's basically what he told Quinn Ewers, which which is just very, very fitting. Um, Jerry, uh, we, we talk about this. I know you listened to, to the to the presser today. What were your takeaways uh, from Quinn Ewers? And first off, Joe Cook will have plenty more at Inside Texas from what Quinn had to say today in his first uh Obviously, media sessions starting quarterback. I thought the maybe the funniest thing he said. I'll get to what I thought the best thing was. The funniest thing he said was he was two when Vince Young won the national championship at Texas, and I happened to be celebrating my thirtieth, and still am seventeen years later. So I thought that was kind of funny that he met Vy for the first time today. And of course, Vince told him, "Just be yourself. Don't be nervous." I mean, what else is Vince going to say, right? I mean, anybody that watched him play, there's only one thing he's going to say. Um, I, I thought the. I thought the most interesting thing he said today was he was talking about, I'm going to find the exact quote um, from, from Joe Cook. He said, I'm excited. I'm not anxious. Obviously, there's going to be butterflies in the locker room with that first play. But after that first play, it'll be back to basics. And anybody that knows Quinn, that is his personality. That's not like coach speak or media speak. That's just how he is. And he appears nonchalant to a lot of people. But that's a dangerous word because when you say somebody's nonchalant, somebody a lot of people might take that as he doesn't really care. Or he's not that he doesn't love the game. He doesn't love what he's doing. And that's couldn't be further from the truth. That's just his personality. T.J. Ford had a personality like that of sorts if you were in front of him at the right time, but hyper-competitive people. Um, so Quinn is a competitive guy, and I think for the Texas fans who didn't get a chance to see him up close at South Lake Carroll like I, I had the pleasure of doing or some of the fans that maybe were South Lake Carroll fans who had been around them, they may look at him and say, man, is, is he nonchalant? I don't think he's nonchalant. I, I, I want to make that clear for before he plays his first game. I think having a short memory is one of his greatest strengths, and he's got to maintain that. We talked about it last week. I think that's one of the two big keys for him, especially as he goes out here and takes the ball at the 100,000 people in the stands uh, coming into a program where they were five and seven last year and have aspirations to get back to the top ten of college football the next couple of years. He's got to have a short memory. Yeah, and you know one thing? I want to mention this to Ian and get Ian's take on this. Um, talked a little bit about Sark. Quinn did as a play caller and what attracted him uh, to Sark today. And one of the things I thought was really interesting, he called Sark an aggressive play caller, which intimated kind of inferred, uh, implied, excuse me, that uh, he is, that that's what Quinn wanted. He wants somebody that, that really kind of challenges him and challenges a defense. Uh, is that what you, is that what you see when you look at Steve Sarkeesian's offense from an X and O stance standpoint? Oh yeah, very much so. Um, I mean, Quinn being matched with Sark just makes sense. You know, when um, when Steve Spurrier was hired at Florida, he went and talked to his quarterback before the first play of the game. And he was like, hey, what do you think we should call first play out of the gate? And his quarterback was like, I don't know, you know, 
inside blast or something. And Spurrier was like, inside blast? They didn't bring me in here to run the ball. And then they came out and chucked a play action bomb for a touchdown. That's what Sark is all about. That's why Quinn Ewers is here. You don't take that arm and uh, not, you know, stretch the field with it. Like, there's what? What are we doing here if we're not if we're not taking as many shots as we can? Sark took a lot more shots last year than you might have thought he would or should with uh, some iffy offensive line play, uh, some iffy tight end protection, and with uh, Casey Thompson behind the helm, who didn't have like a big downfield arm. Stark didn't care. He was still going to dial up as much downfield as he could. So You know, the other thing you talked about, Ian, and, and I'm going to get your take on this too. Um, Quinn talked about the um, power of having Bijan in the backfield with him and what exactly that means for him. And, and uh, you know, how much does it mean to a quarterback that's just trying to – I mean, he's going to have training wheels on at some level, right? I mean, he's a, he's yeah. a freshman starting his first game to have a guy that's a junior ran for a thousand yards a year ago, uh, probably the top running back in the country, if not one of the top two or three. I mean, that's a, that's a short list, whatever it is, right? How, how much does that help him uh, in his mature maturing process throughout the season, in your opinion? I think in a lot of ways, you know, just having Bijan as a calm, reassuring leader on the field, you get that sense definitely talking to him. I think that will help Quinn just having that guy standing next to him. Um, the distortions that Bijan will create in defenses are really going to clear up the picture on play action. When Ewers is taking those downfield shots, teams are worried about Bijan. Um, I don't know at what point in the year teams will start adjusting and say, hey, but we can't let this guy just throw it over our heads. But I think probably for a while he's going to get some opportunities, unbelievable opportunities, just because teams are so keyed up on Bijan. And, uh, also, this guy can can flex out and catch too, so don't uh, don't overlook the how much help you can get from throwing a screen pass or motioning Bijan out when a team wants to try to blitz. Just to give him a really easy read and a quick throw to a playmaker. Um, obviously, hey Bobby, I want to see. I want to see what was interesting to me right before, probably thirty minutes before Quinn took the mic. I was I was at home writing story and Longhorn Network was on, and it, you know what game it was. Texas at Nebraska, Max first year. And you saw Nebraska load the box. Now, they were full of NFL guys. And Major Applewhite made the two throws to Brian White along the sideline, the right sideline, one in the third quarter and one on the drive that won it in the fourth quarter. And it's and it just made me think of Texas this year and how it's different. But I think the marriage of Quinn – and Sark is going to be really something Texas fans are going to like because his strengths, Quinn's strengths, play into Sark's strengths and what he wants to do as an offensive coordinator. But I was, it was just funny. I was watching that game, and you're watching Ricky Williams get pounded every carry, and you said, you know what? You have to be able to make the throws down the field to get Mike Jones out of the box against Nebraska, right, or Mike Brown. And that is what you're going to be looking at with Texas this year. Um, Jerry, a question came up uh, about uh, a, a, a Beaumont, uh, Port Arthur, I think Port Arthur Memorial yeah, versus yeah. Port Nations Groves. Any players there? I, I want to say this. I bring this up not to not to push somebody to the front of the line, but the, the interesting thing here is this is a guy that I went to high school with that lived down the street from me, and I know he's just joking with me by doing this. Uh, okay, but well, his brother Greg Rasco uh, went to Texas a, a couple years behind me, and Britt and I have kept in touch uh, 
uh, through the years. He, he's down in Nederland, so he's watching watching all the stuff. But I did want to mention this um, one thing. It's week zero in in high school football in the state of Texas, right? And for me, uh, this is the signals, the start of football season, really, right? Because this is when I don't do anything but watch football, basically, on Friday and Saturdays when it's possible, right? And yeah. I know you're the same way. And, yeah. and Ian, and we all do it, right? And so talk about a couple of the big games around the state. I want to hear some of that. And then what you're really looking forward to as we see it, uh, see the season uh, kickstarting. First thing for Britt, I covered Jeremiah Rasco in high school at Shreveport Evangel. And I know you're not as athletic as he was, first of all. <laughs> two, just to throw another Rasco out there, two, Caden uh, Bowie, left tackle for Port Arthur Memorials, probably one of those senior risers. He's committed to Houston. I think Houston did a great job on an early eval on him. Uh, he's a guy who's gained probably 25, 30 pounds in the last year. Looks like a total different player. Then also there's a 2025 edge kid for Port Arthur Memorial's name escapes me right now, but he is supposed to be the next big time recruit out of PA Memorial. I haven't been down there. I'm planning on getting down there a couple of weeks to see him specifically along with the Silsby kids and Beaumont United 2024 offensive tackle Weston Davis, who I talked about at inside Texas this morning, Texas will eventually offer him. I believe uh, LSU did two weeks, three weeks ago. Um, Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. But, yeah, so Caden Bowie, left tackle at Port Arthur Memorial, is a really good player, has a bright future, and is probably going to end up with multiple Power 5 offers as a senior. Uh, the game in the state is Saturday night on ESPN2. It's Duncanville and Dallas, South Oak Cliff. Obviously, South Oak Cliff uh, features Texas commitments Malik Muhammad and Billy Walton, edge player. Um, they have 11 players committed to D1 schools right now on the South Oak Cliff roster. They won state last year, and they're clearly the second most talented team in the game. <laughs> I mean, I was at, I happened to be at Duncanville. It was just pure luck. I was going by Duncanville to see Ron Hall and the five-star basketball player and football kids, Colin Simmons, their best one. And it was media day at Duncanville. And, Bobby, you know how this is. You go to school and you literally just count the Division One guys as they walk by. There were probably 27 to 30 guys at Duncanville from – freshman to sophomore class, sophomore to senior class, that I said, I just know the look. I know how recruiting is. And if these guys have any tape on huddle, it's going to happen for them. And, but this, these, so there's going to be 45-plus future Division One players on the field Saturday night on ESPN2 when Dallas South Oak Cliff play, plays Duncanville. And the interesting thing with that game is can South Oak Cliff – you know, Duncanville lost Cam Williams, obviously who's challenging for the right tackle spot and some other bigger guys on the line. The question is, can South Oak Cliffs hold up? Because they place a couple of guys both ways. They're really good players, committed to TCU, North Texas. Can they hold up for the entire game in the trenches? That's where these games like this are normally the differences for a Duncanville up until you get to North Shore, and they can definitely hold up. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm in that, that, in that category where um, – you know, I, when I was covering recruiting full time, you know, that's what I did. And it was on the road. Dallas Carter used to be like yes. that. And yes. that's not that far from Duncanville. 
it's a it's a literally north of i-20 yeah i know and so <laughs> right there right I just, I just always remember that i went in there one time at uh in uh freddie uh james was the head coach at carter at the time and this was years before they had michael crabtree right um this was back in the greg hill era i mean back in the 90s and i just remember walking in there and going holy cow like i i had just left like i can't remember what high school it was but it was like it was like Cedar Hill before Cedar Hill got very good, right? I think they had Darius Thompson, uh, the wide really, receiver yeah, yeah. Um, that ended up going to Baylor and played in the NFL for a while. Um, Cedar Hill did. And then I went over to to uh, Dallas Carter right after. And it was like, I mean, there were 10 of them, easy. And I was just like, this is just, that's not fair, right? right. And that's what Duncanville's dealing with. At the same time, you know, other teams have beat them. You know, that North Shore is, is, has had their number to a degree. Granted, one of them was a miracle throw and catch at the end of a game. Uh, but the, that's that's one of those things. Hey, um, Ian, bringing you back into this um, question, and, and I know you're not necessarily, you know, following high school football as closely as Jerry and I, but when, it, when we talk about these high school players and then Texas counting on them this season, right, they're going to count on Kelvin Banks. There's just no two ways about it. They're counting on Quinn Ewers. I think they're going to count on Brennan Thompson. And, you know, they're going to count on Cole Hudson. That's that's five guys on offense, you know, that are a year out of high school, really. I mean, in your for your expectation level, what does that do uh, to you and how you, you map out what you think is going to happen on the field? Does that, does that have a, does that play a factor or, I mean, can't you can't? They're obviously not just they're not seniors, so they're not going to execute perfectly like a senior would try to do, right? They're they're going to be some mistakes uh, along the way. Well, it's such an interesting thing in this league because some of these guys are premium talents of the likes that the rest of the league doesn't have in the Big Twelve. In the SEC, you know, no big deal, but in the Big Twelve, big deal. So I, I definitely think when you don't have as many seniors and you're playing as many freshmen, you can't win in the same way. You can't win with um, – you can't count on making the right plays at the right time. You can't count on controlling matchups, ideally, with savvy, you know, quarterbacking and, and, uh, and good checks and communication, right? But <clears throat> some of these guys might give Texas some potential to just kind of out-talent some people. Just kind of like Cole Hudson and Kelvin Banks might be able to just kind of push some people around. Um, that's harder on the offensive line. The Big 12 does have some stronger old guys on the defensive line around the league. But if they're really a different level of explosiveness and athleticism, and I think Jerry could speak to the degree to which Banks and, Holt and Hudson are, you know, mall Big 12 guys kind of athletes or not. But, um, yeah, I think it just points to, like, th this team is – if this team were to compete for a big 12 title this year, it'll be because they're just kind of pushing people around and, and they're making a lot of big plays. They're not going to be able to do it in the, in like a Sam Ellinger fashion where you're grinding out wins with really careful ball security and third down plays. I don't think, I don't think it's going to be hard for Texas to do that with this many freshmen, but they might be able to just, you know, land some knockout blows. I, I think what's interesting to that point, to your point, Bobby is, 
in a day and age where there's so many kids that are early enrollees, and Texas had their share of early enrollees in 2022 recruiting cycle, a lot of the guys being counted on were not. And I think that's something that definitely plays into it early in the season. Had Kelvin Banks been in for spring practice, just think about where he'd be now after what we saw last Tuesday. Think about where he'd be. And that second team offensive line, when they trotted out Cam Williams at right tackle, Neto at right guard, Connor Robertson at center due to injury, uh, and Malik Ogbo at uh, left guard, those none of those guys were at spring practice. Banks wasn't at spring practice. Holt, Hutt, Cole Hudson's the only offensive lineman that was at spring practice. Jalen Gilbo had a really good spring. I think that's why you're seeing him as a second-team nickel. Uh, Terrence Brooks was in in the spring. But mo- the majority of the guys, Brennan Thompson, Savion Red, those guys were not here in the spring. Um, so that is something interesting. So all these young kids, Ethan Burke, another one, right? All these young guys, Aaron Bryan will mix in playing the run. All these young guys who was he was in for the spring, but a lot of these young guys are, that you're going to see on the field were not early enrollees compared to some years. So that, that was the interesting thing that's been talked about. We've talked about on Inside Texas a lot is seven offensive linemen, best offensive line class I ever signed by the University of Texas. Only one was an early enrollee. So that's yeah. something to watch early in the season. Yeah, I mean, I think that that my my thought process on on this is that it, it's it's a it's a double edged sword, right? You you've got to have the players first, and they got to get experience. They're not going to just have experience before they step on the field. You could be you could hope that you would get them a year's worth of experience in a backup role, um, but I don't think Texas has that luxury right now. Uh, not at least not at the level some teams do. I mean, other teams play a lot of freshmen too. Are going to have to, um, but uh, you know, this is what you know. This is a, this is a, this is where it's at with Texas. Um, you know, this is this is kind of what it gets down to. Uh, Robert Cowan in uh, his question. I know we're young, but we still have so much talent from coaching to the players. Am I am I wrong to be cautiously optimistic optimistic about the season? I mean, what is your take on that, Ian? I would be optimistic through the Red River Shootout. And then reevaluate from there. Um, Alabama, you know, I think we all agreed, whatever. Uh, that game, if Texas gives Alabama a game, you know, people are going to get real excited around Austin. But even if they get blown out, it might just be a good, like, okay, Quinn, okay, Kelvin, now you know what top level football looks like. So buckle up. That's what you, that's, that's where you got to get to, right? That could be, that could be helpful, really. But, um, what really matters this season is where you finish in the Big 12 and uh, the Red River shootout. By then, they'll have played uh, the Tech Road game that you guys have talked a lot about. Uh, maybe too much, I think. <laughs> the Red River shootout, obviously the most important game. And then I believe they, they have like a um, – there's another game in there too that's, that's going to be really telling. West Virginia in between West Tech. West Virginia and Austin, yeah. yeah. Um, West Virginia might be really good this year. They're really hard to read. So by then we should know if this team can, you know, should, should you be aiming for seven, eight wins and some positive growth, or is this, you have a chance at nine, eight, nine, 10 wins and a big job championship game appearance. Yeah, I, 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 I get it. Um, I think that I want to say this real quick because you mentioned, Oh, well, if Texas, you know, somehow has a great game against Bama, I just, I just, in my mind, I'm trying to get my head around Texas beating Notre Dame in what 2015 or 16 uh, at home with that, t- you know, we're back. 
Yeah, yeah Gus Johnson uh, had a had a conniption over that, I think. But uh, uh, long story short, don't don't overread things like that, in my opinion, because even though uh, Sark can dial up plays, I really believe that, and I think that they have some personnel around them. I just don't know that it's it's sustainable long term until they get more players in here. Um, Bobby, Bobby, if they if they beat Alabama, there's no there's no taming that stallion in fan expectations. <laughs> That's a big if, first of all. Look, so look, look, look Texas it. beat Alabama, the, the inside Texas community would have their own parade, okay? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jerry, um, our Justin Wells uh, inside Texas is going down to see Arch tonight. Um, it, it's uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, Justin's, I think, supposed to be there around four for pregame. Yep. Uh, go, through, go through the whole thing. Uh, we forgot to mention that in the uh, when we were talking about the week zero uh, piece of this. Um, but, uh, you know, thinking about it, you know, Texas is looking really good at quarterback right now. If you really I mean, how 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 lucky is Texas in some ways or is this the blueprint for Steve Sarkeesian to take them where they want to go? Yeah, I think it's absolutely the blueprint print. Um, I, I think there's, you know, a couple of um, things had to happen. Um, you know, Quinn leaving high school, going to Ohio State, transferring back to Texas, right? The, that, the timing of that uh, with the class that Arch is in, probably not a bad thing. Um, but I, I think it speaks to – I think this sets up really well for Sark. You know, assuming – you know, I've, always, I've had eight as the number. If you, if you have a three-game improvement this year, it's hard for people that, that recruit against you to say you're not headed in the right direction. Um, but, you know, Quinn transferring from Ryan Day to Steve Sarkeesian and Arch Manning turning down Alabama and Georgia to play for Steve Sarkeesian gives him a hell of a lot of juice if he wins enough games and really gets the thing rolling. And that's when recruiting really changes for a head coach and a program those are two monumental recruiting wins for Sarkeesian at the quarterback position or transfers. I call that a recruiting win, though. So now Quinn comes in, if he's a really good player, then all bets are off, right? I mean, that's where things really, really change. Um, but I, I think it's, it sets up very well for the staff. Um, I think, you know, what's been the, the cool thing about the arch recruitment for me, Bobby, was – when the staff was hired, um, initially hired, you, Jeff Banks, Bo Davis, they were all talked about as great recruiters, right? But A.J. Milwee did a Tashard Choice-level recruiting job on Arch Manning. Um, when I was down there two weeks ago, Coach Stewart said, you know, it kind of reiterated what we had been um, reporting at Inside Texas is that A.J. Milwee did the best job recruiting Arch of anybody. And – Coach told a story of, you know, 5.30 in the morning, he was there. Milwee was there before everybody else. He was the last guy to leave the day he was there after everybody else. And it's the little things you have to be cognizant of in recruiting and also understanding maybe what uh, is a is a positive uh, trigger in recruiting for a, a prospect or a school or a, the people around the prospect. Um, in with the Mannings, time put in. 
is big. These are talent maximizers. Anybody that's watched these guys play, they're talent maximizers. Whatever they have to do to maximize their talent. And so I thought the A.J. Milway recruitment of Arch Manning was a pretty strong indication for Texas moving forward that once they zero in on a quarterback, um, that A.J. Milway is going to put in that, that level work to get it done. And, you know, I talked to an SEC coach uh, uh, that was uh, not a head coach on a staff of one of the schools that didn't get Arch. And he said, give Texas credit, give Sarkeesian and Milwee credit. They did a great job recruiting that kid. Jerry, do you think – Go ahead. Got, Go ahead. Got, yeah, I'm sorry. Do you think Milwee might be like um, – like when, so when Texas had Stan Drayton, he was not a volume recruiter. Correct. But he, he would go zero in on a running back and just keep that pipeline loaded. Uh, do you think that's what Millie will be like on the staff at quarterback? I think he I think he is, and I think he's got a real challenge in 2024 now. <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> that's kind of evaluate the state of Texas and see who's, who's a kid you can really develop, right? But, uh, yeah, it, you know, he now – he recruits the Austin area, right? He has Westlake. He has those schools. But to your point, yeah, the quarter, the quarterback coach – is they're always they have a great they have a great job because they go literally go around America and about evaluate 15 quarterbacks and decide why hey Sark here's the three guys we need to get on the campus so you can watch them throw um, you know you said there's a picture of AJ with the video camera at the spring right I mean so yeah I think that's exactly what he is Ian I think he hit the nail on the head I, I, I want to ask you this question Jerry because uh, someone asked uh, about what total percent of high school recru recruits are early enrollees. They asked 25%. I think at the high end now, it's higher than that. It's a little higher. I think it's like maybe it's not quite a third, maybe 30%, you know, maybe 30%. Like I think it we're up to 80% of the kids that signed Division One signed in December. And I think, you know, there's a in the high 30 percentage of those kids that are actually early enrollees. Yeah, I think it's I think it's intriguing because we're sitting here looking at this and going over it and uh, uh, trying to, to to figure out, you know, how getting kids in early, going back to what you said earlier, getting kids early is supposed to help the development. But on other than yours, the guys that are look like they're going to play early on offense, uh, I guess Hudson is early. So Cole Hudson definitely got a benefit from coming in early. But Banks, Brennan Thompson, uh, those guys came in uh normal time uh and so ethan burke looks like he's making a splash at defensive end uh he's another one uh so it's 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 intriguing to me how this all works we're going to take a couple more questions here uh also from the the, the uh inside texas message board uh you know ian go down who you think is the starting offensive line for date for week one for texas and who you think ends the year Without injury, no no injury happens and ends the year as the starting offensive line. Well, it looks like they're going to start um, Banks, Connor, Majors, Hudson, Jones. That seems like that's uh, – I haven't heard differently than that. As far as landing spot, I think it might be – I don't know whether to pick um, – I, I kind of think that Connor and Majors will finish the year starters if they're not injured. Um, so that would lead me to have Cam Williams replacing Jones by the end of the year. I think they would really like to get DJ Campbell on the field, but to do that you have to bump out Majors and get Hudson at center. 
to make room at guard, which I think that could be a little tough. Or you need Connor out of the picture, which I think is also a little a little dicey. So right now I would lead Cam Williams, but maybe one of y'all can make a, a case that Campbell is actually a, a better pick. Yeah, I, I think it's it's interesting, right? Because what are, what are the thoughts maybe of – I know a lot of people think that um, Christian Jones of this group may be the one that gets replaced by Cam Williams, right? But what yeah. if Christian Jones moved to the interior? And all of a sudden, Cole Hudson's on the outside looking in with Cam Williams. Do you think that's a possibility? Because Jones has played guard before and trained at guard before. Or is this going to be – if Williams goes in and starts over Christian Jones, is it just a one-for-one one deal in your opinion? I, it doesn't seem like they've tried Jones at guard much in, in some time. Not recently. Not recently. Now, to me, that would make a lot of sense to do that. But they've definitely not telegraphed it. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of wish we could see that. I bet the I bet there's some NFL scouts that wishes that we would do that, that Texas would do that, so that uh, they could see Jones in a more natural position. But um, I don't know. Hey, Jerry, do you look like Jay Leno? You look like him without the car collection and the bank account. <laughs> <laughs> that well, and, uh, and Jerry is not retired. <laughs> no, no, well, yes, not no far from it actually. Um, yeah, I, I look. My pick is Cam Williams at right tackle. I just I saw something, and I think Jones is better in the run game than pass pro. But I just saw something in the run game with Cam Williams that Tuesday night where I was like, it's kind of like stuff we haven't seen with Banks and Williams since Leonard and Mike Williams were at Texas. I mean, really, the ability to move people three, four yards in the run game. And I'm not saying Kelvin Banks is going to do that against Alabama. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying starting game four, five, and beyond. I just think the ability to really move people in the run game is different with these guys. Um, and, and I think that, you know, we talk about the play action pass. You talk about B. John Robinson um, and, and all these things that maximize an offense. Who, who's going to make help B. John be the best player he can be? Well, well here's, the, here's the issue, too. You're, you're, there's a difference between moving guys and displacing people. Correct. <laughs> Banks and, and Williams can displace some people and affect other linemen in the in the play. I mean, they really have that kind of – I mean, they move people when they when they move them. They, I'm not saying that they do because they're freshmen and all this other stuff, but that's that's the power of that. Um, Ian, I want to go to you on this one first, okay, this question. Do the three of you buy that Ovi, Ovi Ogufu, has suddenly become competent against the run, and is Burke making the too deep a positive or negative sign for edge coaching? I do buy Ovi. Um, a lot of his issues last year were undisciplined play, bad positioning. It wasn't just getting mauled all the time. It was this guy needs to be taught what to do. It's very feasible that he could learn in an offseason. Even in the spring game, they ran some counters in the spring game, and uh, he did not make the mistakes that he had made in the Red River shootout of 2021. So I, I definitely, I definitely think it's very feasible that Texas could be three times as competent in edge defense as last year, just by virtue of more coaching and more time to fix the problems. Um, I, I think people have to realize too, they didn't really have an off. They didn't have a spring to coach them last year. You know what I mean? They didn't have that ability and now they do. And, and I think that this, the spring was pandemic free, so to speak. Right. 
Yeah, Goofy um, was a, he came in the fall. Yeah, yeah, and so that's what I'm saying. You didn't know. I mean, they, they're actually just now getting these guys. Um, what about Ethan Burke, Jerry? Uh, you see that as a positive or negative for recruiting and or coaching. Uh, positive on both uh, because here's the thing. It, what makes a number five recruiting class look like a number two recruiting class is when guys are better than expected and earlier. And look, would Ethan Burke be pushing for playing time if he was at Georgia or Alabama? No, we're not saying that. But what we are saying is he's ahead of schedule. And the one thing you wondered about him, you knew he was – look, I saw – I watched him in the lacrosse practices. His feet are unbelievable for a kid that's six, six and a half now. Pretty unbelievable feet and flexibility. Um, we had him on an interview, and you could tell he was a really highly competitive kid. You don't go score six goals a game in lacrosse unless you're very competitive, right? But I think he's answered the call physically. And that's the thing is you kind of – you know, even though I knew how talented he was, I, I just watched him. I said, man, he's got this 83-inch wingspan. One day he's going to be really good. But how is he going to play the run early on? And can he get on the field? And, Bobby, that Tuesday night, that's the thing that kind of took me back is he might have played the run with more physicality than the guys three years older than he did. He attacked guys. He didn't wait to be blocked. He attacked people. And he has the length and understands leverage to get off blocks. And um, he won some key battles in the run game that, that night. And then you're, you know, you're like, okay, well, then when he jumped in with the one situational, you're like, well, I'm, okay, I see it. Because you know he can rush the pass or just off his athleticism. Uh, so I think it's a positive for Texas. I think it's a positive for the recruiting class. And by the way, I want to mention this because we're bouncing around. The early enrollees of guys committed right now, Arch Manning, it's a good one. Cedric Baxter's a great one, though. Cedric Baxter is a huge early enrollee with Bijan out to the NFL and Roshan moving on to the NFL draft as well. Then Jonte Cook's a prob probable. Then you have Kojo, Andre Kojo, and Peyton Kirkland are both early enrollees. Here's a big one. Sadir Mitchell's an early enrollee. Sadir Mitchell's a higher-level guy on the interior than – I mean, look, there's a lot of people that think this guy's going to be a high NFL draft pick one day. Then Samaje Burrell is an early enrollee. I think that's huge at linebacker. Darian Gillette's an early enrollee, but he'll be rehabbing a knee. So just for those wondering who the early enrollees are next year that are committed in 23, that's the group. All right. This next question I want to bring up, and it's it's it, there's no right or wrong answer here. It's truly what you think, okay? And it, it's it's we know Quinn has been described as a gunslinger, but how long do you think it will take for the mental tools to catch up to the physical tools. Uh, Ian, Jerry, whoever wants to take it first. Well, neither of you guys are jumping on. I'll go. I thought Ian was going to jump in. I'll go. I'll, go ahead, Bobby. I'll, I'll go. Let's each do a round table. If he stays healthy. Yes. If he stays healthy, I think you're going to be talking about six to seven games into the year, probably post OU, um, where it, it, I think things are already kind of clicking for him in some ways, but where you see it click for him, at game speed is a little bit different than practice, right? And so that's where I, I think that post OU, because there's such a lead in and build up to that game, any quarterback, you can talk to any of them that have started and played in that game, it's different, right? I mean, the, the, the setting's different. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like once they get past that, though, it could be talking about a different type of player because it'll be a reset, right? Okay, I got through that. Now I reset. 
So, yeah, who wants to take it? I, I, I'll go. I think it's West. I think it's West Virginia game, um, and I say that because I think that's when you're going to start to see him take some, make some real strides as far as in game. And, and I don't think it's a bad thing. It's game five. I, I think game one, I throw that one out. I mean, that's a talent mismatch. Um, it, and that doesn't mean he's not going to throw a pick in that game. He's never thrown a pass in college, so don't get me wrong. Game two, I'm really throwing out. Um, game three is interesting to me. UTSA, they're going to play – Texas is going to play two very, very well-coached teams back-to-back. UTSA is not going to have the talent of Texas. They're not going to be as good as they were last year, but they're going to be in the right position. It's a well-coached team. They're going to play really hard, and they're talented enough to make you work. Then you go on the road to Tech. That's your first road game ever. So I think you get two really well-coached teams in a row that's not a that's not a total talent mismatch um, in UTSA, a good team. Then you go make that first road start. Now you've had a lot of game experiences here, right? You, you will have thrown a pick six. You will have thrown an interception where you didn't see the linebacker because you're about to get hit. Those things are going to happen, but that's when the short memory takes over. And if he has a short memory and he proves that through that first road test, and look, we're not – nobody's sitting here saying Tech is a very good team, but it's still at Tech. The last three games have been decided by a touchdown. It doesn't matter what you did the year before. Well, well last year wasn't – last year wasn't by a touchdown. That, no, the last three road games were by a touchdown. Oh, okay. Love it, okay. right? Yep. And so it's it's not like, okay, well, it, this isn't Texas in 2000, you know, one of their most talented teams where they go up them, they're just more talented than everybody else. And Texas is more talented. But, look, th- those fans hate them some Chris Beard, right? It's the last time Texas is ever going to play in Lubbock in the Big 12, right? There's a lot. It, Tech's going to be coming off of two tough games. They play U of H and in, at NC State, I think, the week before. So Joey McGuire is going to have these guys jacked up after NC State beats him up a little bit. Here's your opportunity, right? There's a lot that goes into it. So it's going to be a tough road game for a freshman quarterback. I mean, I don't care if he throws for 350 and you end up winning 56-35. It's still going to be a tough. It's still going to be a tough first road game. There's a lot easier places to play on the road than Tech for Texas. So um, I, I that's why I say game five. I say he's going to get four really good games under his belt especially two, three, and four, he's going to have to show some toughness and a short memory. And after he gets all that out of his system and he gets that first road game uh, uh, under his belt, I think you're going to see a guy take make big strides starting with West Virginia home. I spent oh. some time I, – I got to say this first. I spent some time this summer uh, with a guy who is a Texas grad whose daughter goes to Texas Tech. And we were just hanging out, talking a little bit. And his daughter comes in there and literally she – Tech fans are ready to roll <laughs> when Texas comes to town, and that's if that's any um, any uh, uh, you know if that's indicative of all of how they feel. I- I'm guessing that the the entire town of Lubbock will be sold out of tortillas. What what was your answer to that question, Ian? Uh, asking about when you think uh, the mental tools will will catch up with the physical ones for Quinn. I'll be a stickler for nuance and say, I mean, not till he's a pro, ultimately. But I think that he will be a different player in 2023 than he is in 2022. So I'm not really negating what Jerry's saying about how many games it'll take for him to really start to feel comfortable with what they ask of him this season. But this kid, his physical tools are way up here. And so learning to, to read defenses and execute a pro-style playbook to maximize that is going to take a while. And he'll another offseason will be enormous towards becoming what he could eventually become down the line. 
You're listening to uh, On Texas Football live chat with Jerry Hamilton and Ian Boyd. Uh, I'm Bobby Burton, the host. Um, we're, we're talking about a number of different things. Quinn, just to recap real quick, Quinn Ewers uh, sat at the mic today, uh, talked uh, to the media for the first time as the, the uh, starting quarterback at the University of Texas. Uh, I thought he handled himself well. Uh, talked, to, talked about uh, not only how Hudson Carden, he competed, uh, but also how he was uh, tabbed the starter with Sark. Uh, Sark met with the guys individually. Uh, and then also talked about uh, what it was like growing up, loving the Longhorns, watching Polk McCoy, uh, Jordan Shipley. And then he talked to what I thought was really cool. He talked to Vince Young uh, this morning, uh, and Vince uh, told him to kind of let it hang, just go out there and have fun and, and be yourself. Um, uh, as we as we do this, uh, we, we're going to be doing chats twice twice a uh, twice a week, I think, from now on. Uh, we're going to probably do them Tuesday nights around 6.30 uh, until around 7.30 or 8. And then we're going to do them every Friday during the season at, at 11 so that we can get people a little background on the team that Texas is going to be playing. Uh, we'll be talking X's and O's and that sort of stuff as well. Um, I want to go ahead and talk. take another question. Here. Yeah, I, I was going to say, okay, can, can we get to this one? Williams David asked on, on Inside Texas about the Sean Jamison at corner having some mild concerns, you know, kind of what he saw last year. I think that's a, it's an interesting question. Um, I'm going to toss that to Ian. I mean, obviously there's been reports about multiple interceptions in practice. And, Bobby, you, you were at the Tuesday practice. So what are y'all's thoughts on Sean Jameis heading into senior year and how is it going to change if they play more bump? I want to bring this to Ian because Ian in, in made a great point in this morning's video. Texas has changed um, how they're playing the corners now. Right, Ian. Uh, it's no long. It's now field and boundary as opposed to right and left. And Jamison is going to be the field corner for Texas. How does that uh, affect uh, the the answer to Dave, Williams Davis' question as well? Um, so that actually changes Jamison's role away from press coverage. They tried to use him in press coverage some last year, and uh, you know, Tech game, some other incidents. It wasn't always very good. I think he's actually Jameson is actually more comfortable playing off and seeing plays happen in front of him and breaking on the ball. And I think that's partly why he's been so effective in fall camp and over the summer is being able to play to the wider side of the field, uh, watch the quarterback, you know, get his eyes over to his side of the field and break on the ball and use his speed coming, you know, just downhill more. So um, I think they have him in a, better position to suit his strengths. I think that they would have liked him to be a bump and run kind of guy because he's so fast and athletic, but he's probably more comfortable in this role and uh, will probably be more effective. If he's not, there's probably some other guys that could do it. Um, so, I, you know, one of the ways that Texas has a breakout season this year and, and surprises people is if he's really, you know, sticky fingered over there at field corner and jumps a lot of routes. You can change a lot of games if your corner starts, you know, five, six, seven interceptions in a year. So well, I'm, I'm all for uh, playing him off because I also think he, against the run when he played man, he got beat up bad when he played up um, because he's just physically uh, not uh, what some other people are. He doesn't have the arm length and the, the strength really at his size to, to play that against the run. The, the, the thing that the thing that I would I want to segue to this question for um, you, uh, 
Ian it, it talk, is talking about the safety play as well. Uh, before I do want to say one more thing about Deshaun that people need to keep in mind. Not only is, is he now playing a field corner, which is a little bit different, uh, but I also wanted to mention that he's not working at punt return much uh, like he has the previous three years. And whether that's because, you know, he lets the balls drop or uh, fumbled a couple, I'm not sure. Uh, but this is the 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 two-part question I re- really want to segue to for you, Ian, at this point. One is another person's asking about the safety play. And then how do you feel about this, Ian, going from a problem last year where they had a real problem executing a limited number of concepts to now trying to jump to four or five concepts? Um, is that too much, too little? Or is that that part of having a full year to install your defense? Yeah, it's that's where you want to get with time. I mean, even the complexity that they'll arrive at this year is nothing to the, you know, thesaurus that Nick Saban drops on a freshman defensive back's uh, lap when they arrive in Tuscaloosa. They really they installed a lot of that stuff over the course of last year. So it's not. I don't know if they're running very much this year that they didn't at least try to run some in games last year and installed. So I, I, I'm not really that worried about it to me from the looks of practice and spring and whatnot. They look like they're pretty comfortable with uh, the breadth of the playbook right now. The proof will be in the pudding when they, when they play 11 on 11 games in the fall, but uh, no, it's not really a big concern to me right now. Now, if, if we see the veteran safety struggle, and then they and it's a big problem for the defense. And then they cannot get a Crawford or an Allen or somebody like that on the field because they it's too much. Then we could revisit. But uh, even those guys looked more comfortable than anyone looked a year ago. So I, I, not a concern to me right now. I want to go to recruiting. Um, um, I want to say thank you for that working man. Hey um, Jerry, uh, question for you. I want to flip to recruiting a little bit. Uh, you you wrote some stuff yesterday talking about guy and and, and it's actually I think today is humidor guys that Texas might be looking at that aren't necessarily already on people's radar because they could possibly pop up as a senior and have a great senior campaign. Savian Red, Ethan Burke, two definite guys that that happened with with Texas last year. Let me ask you this uh, though: I want to put a little different spin on it. Okay, who are some of the guys that are committed to Texas? that you think might be in that category of, hey, he might be coming on? Because you've been around already a lot to a lot of schools this fall during fall camp before they've played game one. So you have a, a sense maybe of some guys that might be on the uptick. Yeah. Can I start with one that's already ranked high that I think's on the uptick? Who's that? Cedric Baxter. I think he's, he's going to be a problem this year. I, I really do. Uh, look, that last year was his first – Full year, full time year running back. People uh, for the Texas fans that or know the name because he committed and they've seen the content on Inside Texas are here, but they don't know his story. That's it. Last year was the first time he was a full time running back, so he's going to see things even better and earlier and quicker and have a better feel this year. And uh, you know, watch out. He's going to be striking up the band a lot this year, okay? Because that's a scary thing playing Florida public school football, even at a high level. If he starts seeing things quicker and is even more comfortable this year than he was as a junior, uh, watch out. I look at the, I look at the offensive line guys. For me, 
There was a clip of Jaden Chapman in a scrimmage. I don't know if you saw it, Bobby, but he absolutely annihilated somebody at left tackle. His mom couldn't wait to tweet that one out, as I would have if I was the mom, okay? By the way, I would have that would have been out two seconds after the play was over. Um, so, I, But I think, guys, you know, I saw Peyton Kirkland in person. You know, he came off a serious lower leg ankle injury it, it, during his sophomore season. His junior year, when you're 350 pounds, your junior year is getting your feet back under you after that type of injury. He had no offseason. He really didn't practice leading up to the season. I think you're going to see a kid who's also one of those kids who's like, I'm rated a high three-star. I think I'm better than that. Well, go be the most physical guy on the field. Prove to people you're that. I think you're going to see some of that with some of these guys this year. Look, I've I've said forever, Connor Stroh's impressed me, Bobby, because guys that will go lose 30, 40, 50 pounds on their own before you get to college, those guys you kind of circle and say they're going to maximize their talent. How uh, how far they can go, I don't know. But, you know, it depends guy to guy. But Connor Stroh's one of those guys you just keep looking at and you saying, if there's anything he can do to, to be better, he's going to do it. I think Sadir Mitchell's going to look unbelievable on tape this year. I think he's going to look unbelievable. I think he's down 30, 25, 30 pounds from junior year. Um, you know, we've had Nathan O'Neill on this show before. He's worked with him multiple times, thinks he's a potential first-round pick. And I know the colleges that recruited him think he's a potential first-round pick. I think he is going to look dominant this year at times up in uh, New Jersey. Hey, I got to say this. The guy that uh, was from Texas City, the Stingerees, uh, I've, I've been by the high school many times. Uh, Rusty Dowling used to be the head coach oh, yeah. here. Uh, also, I uh, got to say hi to Irvis Hill uh, yeah. in that group. Uh, you know, so just something to consider there. Um, and by the way, I got one. We used to play. We're in the same district. Vernon Crawford set the meanest illegal screens in basketball. <laughs> Vernon, if you're out there, come at me now. <laughs> no, actually, don't. <laughs> Trust me. <don't. laughs> hey, um, Ian. You know, we're got about five more minutes here before we wrap this up. Um, you're looking next week. We're going to. As a group at Inside Texas, we're going to talk about what we think the team will end up at. Uh, we're going to give our season season in, season predictions, so to speak. As you go to do that this week and think about it, what are your what are your overriding thoughts that you're you're trying to to basically combat with yourself? I mean, because you're I know you're high on certain aspects, and I know you're worried about certain aspects. What are what are those things that you're trying to? come together on to, to, to figure out what you're going to think about and write uh, next week on, on what we project uh, season ending wins and losses. Uh, losing Nayor was big. I think they lost some ceiling this year when they lost Nayor to injury. Um, I thought they lost a little bit of ceiling when they lost that O'Shawn Mathis recruitment back in the spring. Those are both a couple of, uh, those could have been two impact guys in space for them. Um, so I'm going to be thinking through what are the strengths of this team? What are they going to be able to hang their hat on? And then knowing the rest of the Big 12 as well as I do, I'm going to have to try to think that through against the schedule. Um, it's, going to, I'm going to, it's going to be hard for me to, uh, just to, <laughs> to limit myself to just a couple of factors to think through and see if I can make it simple. Because um, you can look at Texas and see some issues. But if you look deep enough at any team in the Big 12 this year, you see massive issues. So it, it just that makes it really tricky. There's not like this. You don't have the normal Oklahoma team that guarantees that uh, one spot in the title game, you know. So, um, 
Yeah, I'll, I'll be looking at, you know, what exactly is this team going to be? What can they hang their hats on? And then how does that project against your average Big 12 team? Jerry? Yeah, I, I, when I go into a season, I look at two things um, to start outside of quarterback play. Um, obviously, Quinn has to be a good player. That's where it starts, right? But, you know, the narrow injury was big, and so that plays. And I, I, when I look at – first thing I look at is, okay – what players can a team not afford to lose that's really going to impact the way their season goes? And Naylor was a big one, obviously. So now you're down to, for me, outside of quarterback again, it's uh, Xavier Worthy has to have a healthy season with Naylor out. Um, Kelvin Banks ha has to have a healthy season because you don't want to move Christian Jones back to left tackle. You, you, you feel good about where you're at. You feel like Kelvin Banks could be a freshman All-American and long-term All-American player, obviously. And, you know, people say Bijan, and he's a great player. But, you know, if Bijan missed the game, Texas, they would lack the best running back in the country. But they're not void of talent at that position. If Bijan's gone for a season or something, that's different. That's a different animal. Um, and so that's kind of where I'm looking at. And then linebacker, Jalen Ford has to have a healthy season. He really came on last year. If you look at the linebackers who are actually a true linebacker that could be an NFL player on the roster, he's the guy. He has to play like it. They need him to have a healthy season uh, to, for that position to really upgrade. And Tucker Dorsey, I think, brings instincts. And then I look at, like last year when I looked at the Texas team, I said, what positions? Then you get to positions. What position needs to really maximize what they have? And I thought it was D-tackle last year because going into the season, that was the most – physically gifted position on the team. Alfred Collins, Sweat. I mean, you know, those guys are really high ceiling guys. And and I'm not saying it's Bo Davis's fault, PK's fault, anybody's fault, but they weren't that last year. I think that position's crucial again this year. Byron Murphy, a year older. Tavondre Sweat needs to take a step. I don't know what's going on with Alfred Collins. He is the most talented guy, whatever, at this point. Um, you know, but those guys have to play really well. Uh, they have to take steps this year uh, because I think the linebackers play is better if they'll help them out. I, I really believe that. And and then so that's kind of what I look at is the positions that have to be really, really good or improved. I, I think one thing that's going to make Texas a lot better offensive team this year is the tight end position. I, I just I think that is the most improved position in the program. And I think that is really going to help Quinn. It's going to help Bijan. It's going to help Worthing. It's going to help with the loss of Nayor. Uh, so that that's kind of the way I look at it is what players do you have to have stay healthy? And then what positions have to really come up big for you? And on Texas, you got to look at defense. It's got to be – everybody talks about edge, but you got to stop the run. I mean, you know, and, and the defensive tackles and linebackers, I think, are more important for an eight-win season. Not a ten-win season, but for an eight-win season than the edge guys are. I, well, I'm it, can't gonna, be, I'm, it can't be awful again at edge. <laughs> no, you can't. Yeah, not that bad yeah. at least. Right. Yeah, not that bad. One more guy maybe to throw in there that they can't – I don't know if they can afford to lose would be Baron Sorrell. If he's playing that position Jacoby Jones played last year, we saw what happened last year when Jones went down. Yeah. And they didn't have – it wasn't like, to your point, it wasn't going from good to average, which would be okay. It was going from like average to – bad and they need i don't know what all they're doing at that position this year besides sorrell how much depth they have there but right now to me that looks like a concern is they need 
two strong side ends to avoid having a disaster like last year. So he might be up there as well. I want to say this. The one thing that that um, I think will be significantly better this year and one of the reasons why I, I, I feel uh, better about this team heading heading into the season uh, than I did even six months ago. Um, and that's that I see the possibility of a smarter defense. Um, I think they I think they've got smarter guys playing that know they need to play as a unit. You know, um, you, you've got it. Things are settled at safety. Things are settled at linebacker. Things are settled along the front. Um, guys like Agufu, Agufu are are expected to be better. Um, Jalen Ford has had a good camp. Nobody talk. Not many people talk about him, but he's got a full year starting experience now. He is a talented player, and he's he's physical. and And I think that Diamante Tucker Dorsey has three years starting behind him. So um, those kind of things matter. Uh, and And I feel like that may be one of the reasons. Well, that's one of the big things I'm thinking going into this year is a a smarter defense. I want to one last question here that I want to get to is this. Uh, we're at the this is the Inside Texas on Texas football live chat with Jerry Hamilton and Ian Boyd. I'm Bobby Burton. This is the yeah, good deal. Uh, the the producer put this up for me, so I'm <laughs> I've got to do it. Uh, get four months for just one dollar for new subscribers at Inside Texas. If you're watching this, literally one dollar for four months. Try us through football season. Uh, we think that you'll really really enjoy it. Very last question. This is going to go uh, for one that uh, I feel like has some merit to it. We, we miss every year, guys, um, and overread things that happen in camp. Everybody does it on every team. I mean, coaches, by the way. What, what's that? <laughs> coaches, too, by the way. Yeah, yeah, coaches, too, misread it. And so that's not – this isn't a wrong thing right. to say. This East 8th has a good good take, I think. Feels like tight end blocking and edges against the run are potential misreads from camp. Jatavian Sanders, is he really a better blocker? Is Gunnar Helm a, better, a good enough blocker? Do we really know until he lines up against someone better than the Ovia Gufu of the world and Baron Sorrell uh, and those guys? I think fair, that – Fair question, I think, right? Yeah. I mean, you, when you're just playing against yourself, you're a little limited, but this staff has a year now. And I think Pete Krakowski and Jeff Banks, whatever you want to say about him, I think those guys know what good looks like on the edge and at tight end. They've, they've coached a lot of NFL players between them at those spots. So I don't know exactly what they think. Like maybe we need some truth serum for Krakowski and Banks to, to know for sure. But however they feel, I, I bet they have a good beat on it. it I, I appreciate that. Um, uh, producer also putting those – those things up. We would like you guys to like the show and subscribe to our channel. Uh, that helps us uh, and and uh, helps the, the show get more listeners and, and viewers. Uh, but personally, I appreciate Jerry Hamilton and Ian Boyd joining me today. Uh, you guys are, are terrific. Uh, just an amazing knowledge base that you both bring to the to the show. And uh, we appreciate you not only at Inside Texas, but also uh, on the live show here on Texas Football. Um, that'll be it for today. Uh, I've, I've got Justin tomorrow. I'm going to, I'm talking to him late, late tonight, uh, post Arch Manning, uh, at the first game. So for Saturday morning conversation, it's going to be me and Justin at, at, uh, talking about, uh, what he saw. We're going to have some highlights from that game, hopefully, uh, for him, for you guys as well within the video. Uh, but for Jerry, 
uh, Ian, and all of us at Inside Texas. I'm Bobby Burton, and thanks for watching.